All right, guys, you're listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus. I'm here with my dad, Erwin Raphael McManus. I'm here with Austin St. John. And I thought we were going to have Brooke Odom, but I guess she took off. She's coming right back. Okay, so she'll jump on here in a minute. But essentially, what's up, Dad? I'm working on lighting. (laughs) (laughs) You you were by the window in your hotel room, but you had to move because uh, his iPad was going to die. I just thought our Patreon um, subscribers should get the real deal here. (laughs) See how we make magic. Well, this is how the magic happens, guys. (laughs) This is our second private episode podcast episode that we're releasing. And, you know, I don't know how many we do a month. We're going to at least do one, maybe two, maybe three a month, depending on the month. But essentially, this kind of gives us one, just we want to build into the community here. Two, we want to also just talk about things we don't talk about anywhere else and be a little bit more off the cuff. Obviously, we'll cut out anything offensive, I might say. But for the most part, we're going to try to keep it unedited. Oh, there, we're going to keep Brooke dancing, my dad being his own lighting designer. And uh, me, f- oh, I, fu- I, I, I fib. You fub. what? I was not <laughs> going to say anything bad, Brooke. I, fib- I don't know. Is it that candid? Is it fubbed? Flubbed. Flubbed. Fub- I flubbed the the intro. I was like, (laughs) and we're just keeping it all in because it's Patreon now. Um, Okay. So first things first, I want to say thank you to everybody who's on the Patreon. Mm -hmm. And since this community is small still, but it won't always be like this. I'm just going to read off names and say thanks. Say their names. Say my name. Say my name. When When everyone is around you. Uh, Say Patreon, I love you. Patreon, I love you. Why are you playing games? Um, <laughs> say my name, say my name. Isn't it crazy that I don't know lyrics of any song? We were in a store the other day and I was like, Dad, how do I know every like lyric to this song? I was like, because I was brainwashed as a kid because it was on like Radio Disney and everything. Okay. Austin St. John is on here, but that's fake news. That's just like a test, I'm sure. But thank you. We love you. Absolutely David, not. Isaac Lau, Kimmer, Colin, Carl. Timothy Lee, Sandra Shaw, uh, Brianna, Pace, um, Bev Radney, Becca Wimberly, Caroline Vanderbury, Anna Del Vecchio, David Herrera, Russ Moore, Pam Gillett, Napoleon, V, Napoleon, Mark Briel, one of your friends' dad, David Cho, Scott Reynolds, Van Bardson, and that, that wraps it up, which is pretty exciting. we're not going to do that every week that was just roll call to say thank you to everyone in the second episode you guys are the best um okay so something weird happened we were in so where kind of we're staying we were walking through brooklyn which we don't we used to always stay in the city when we flew to new york but we flew out here to work at the factory that we work with do some clothing stuff and we were in a different part of brooklyn than we normally are and we walked down these like beautiful old neighborhoods brooke i this place is insane. One, the best, I found the best coffee shop ever. That's really, that's a big claim. I did. I found the best coffee shop ever. And then we walked through uh, Dumbo for like two hours. We've walked Tell me what miles. Dumbo is. Like, I don't know. You don't know what Dumbo is? I, it sounds Brooklyn-y, but I'm not oh, exactly oh, sure what it is. No. Okay. Sorry, dad. So, okay. So this- Dumbo is a character in Disneyland. 
and arrive. <laughs> I, know, I know that one. Land. <laughs> okay. Okay. So essentially, there's a bunch of bridges, right? So you have the Williamsburg Bridge, Williamsburg, Brooklyn. You've got the Brooklyn Bridge. And then you've got, why did I, am I blanking on the third bridge? Oh, you've got the Manhattan Bridge. And then you've got the Brooklyn Bridge. So it's by the Brooklyn Bridge. And it's like, it, you basically go to the right off the Brooklyn Bridge. And then there's just this beautiful neighborhood, neighborhood called Dumbo and Brooklyn Heights. And Brooklyn Heights is just, it's, it's exactly what you think of when you think of people who live in New York, like these brownstone walk-ups, everything is just like green and beautiful and like shade, like shaded everywhere. It's stunning. Like Oh, that's where the iconic picture is, like the picture spot that everyone posts, the two brick yes. buildings on the Brooklyn Bridge. Okay. That's on like the other side, but then there's this other neighborhood side and it's just like beautiful. So Anyways, we're over here, we're hanging out over here and we were walking, talking and we found this cute little street. And when I was living in New York 10 years ago, wow, it's so crazy to say 10 years ago, I would ride these like little Vespa scooters throughout the city and kind of get to the city. And I would ride over here in Brooklyn and I had no idea what this neighborhood was called. And so we were walking on the street and I was like, oh my gosh, this is this neighborhood. This is this little street that I like absolutely loved back in the day. Um, so we took a little video, we posted it on Bad Ready Instagram. And we're like, if you can guess exactly where we're at, we're going to send you some merch. And then our, my DM started blowing up being like guessing the exact street that we were on. Yeah. And I was like, there's no way this street is that famous. Like, I'm mm -hmm. sure you can on the internet, but this is crazy. I asked one of these, the guys that listen, and I was like, how did you guess this? Like, so spot on. Cause there's no way you just got it. And, and I was like, you're a liar and a cheat and a thief. No. <laughs> no, yeah and 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 he's like no i only lied about being a thief um <laughs> yes. one of my favorite lines of all time brooke i'm it's so happy that. that you know um and and he's like no i i screenshotted your post and then i put it in google image and i just put it in google image places and searched and kept refining the search and then i did it myself and then i was like oh my gosh nothing is safe anymore no like, there is no nothing you post on the internet that is private. Mm -hmm. From now on, I'm walking with a green screen that I can roll out, <laughs> put it behind me whenever I take a photograph so no one can know where I am in the world. <laughs> I don't know anyone with a large social media following who ever posts something at the location of their post. They always post like a day later so no one can find them. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I'm not doing this anymore. I post so many stories where I'm at, but it's, it, it is also weird because I did another thing. I posted a photo of where I was sitting, um, having coffee. And then all of a sudden, none other than the ginger himself, Brian Hartley sends a photo of me from an Uber, like zoomed in on me and my dad. And was like, and he just sent it to me privately. He was like, LOL, XOXO, Gossip Girl. I see you. Oh my God. The real, the real battle readiers know Brian used to be in the booth. Yeah. Yeah. Brian was in the booth and he just combusted one day and it turned into Austin and Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> That's true because Brian is both a white male and a liberal Democrat. So you split in half. <laughs> a liberal Democrat woman. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
But yeah, it's crazy. It, it unnerves me that anyone can know where anyone is at any time based on a photograph or um, their background or backdrop. It's just, I mean, the level of security that is lost now is kind of like mind blowing. It's, it's a little scary if you think about it. But why is it that when they're ever they're hunting a criminal, they can't find them? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it seems like you could track anyone down the world at any time that you wanted to. Well, I don't think criminals are posting on Instagram. Okay, good, good point. You know, well, that's they, a, not, <laughs> not the smart ones, at least. Not the smart <laughs> one. Definitely not the yeah. smart one. But I, I, it, it kind of like it kind of brings up this like conversation of what is too much. And, you know, we got these Apple Watches, Dad. You've worn an Apple Watch forever, but I just got one. And it tells you so much about yourself. It's almost scary. Like, is do we want people to know this much about? I mean, they can tell me if I'm ovulating. Well, I can tell you that, too. Was it a body thermometer? Yeah. Yeah, actually, mine tells me my IQ. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. My, it's crazy. Mine has, it has, mine says 12 on it. <laughs> I think you get a certain number just by uh, writing your name. No, but, but it, how much is too much? And are we going too far with this whole Google search thing? Like, I know that they've had this technology forever. I know that it's out in the world, but is it too much? And is it like a little bit terrifying that you really just can't hide and be private anymore? Yeah, my understanding is that in China, especially like in Shanghai, and Beijing, they can track you every second of every day where you mm -hmm. are. And it's it's pretty, um, I mean, that's pretty invasive. There's nothing you can do that the government doesn't know or that someone doesn't know. Not that they want to know or care to know. Uh, you know, I mean, that that massive data dump is the only thing that protects you is that there's so much data that's being received that maybe you'll get lost in the middle of it all, right? It's, you know, it's, it's like that the, the, the lawyers who, when they're trying to hide a document, will send you 500 boxes so that that one document will never be found. You know, the only way your privacy is protected is that they know too much about everyone. And, but if they ever decide they want to know something about you, um, you are the needle in the haystack and they have a magnet and they can find you. All they got to do is type in Brooke Odin Figueroa. You know, what strikes me too is that I think uh, Elon Musk, when they're asking him, does anything uh, keep him awake at night? And the first thing he said, well, of course, AI. And, and I thought, wow, that's interesting. Um, Not one AI of his 11 children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, you know, you wonder, uh, is AI keeping you awake because he wants to create AI or is AI keeping you awake because he's terrified about the implications of AI? Because I know in the years that I was with the TED, you know, community, uh, Chris Anderson and that community seemed to be incredibly distraught about the future and direction of artificial intelligence and um, its potential to turn against humanity and to become um, conscious um, and, you know, to create a level of, of self-awareness that they could become a danger to humanity, which is really pretty fascinating when you think about it. Um, 
you, you know, um, because if we're created in God's image and we clearly don't reflect God very well, and we create Robert's, uh, robots, we create robots in our image, you know, what's the iteration? What's going to happen? You, you know, uh, so mean, it's, it's interesting. So uh, I guess kind of rolling that back, let's roll it back. So if we were created in God's image, how are we so self-destructive? Free will. Yeah, I think that, you know, a part of being created in God's image is that human beings have the capacity for free will because we have the capacity for love. And pretty much every other functionality, um, you don't need free will. You know, and if God just wanted to make us good, he would just make make creatures that only could do good things without a choice. If God wanted us to only be just, he could just create a creature that was only just all the time because we didn't have a choice. The problem with love is that love requires choice, that you can't create a creature that's forced to love that's uh, and that doesn't have the choice to love or not to love. So ironically, even when, you know, when people of faith talk about that God created everything to glorify him, I'm going, actually, that's strangely secondary because everything perfectly glorifies God in creation except for human beings and, and, that, and things affected by us, right? And so, you know, strangely enough, it says that all creation declares the glory of God, does it perfectly, but human beings don't. And because... Um, if God's ultimate purpose with humans was just that we would glorify him, it was a, a disastrous invention. But if God's intention is for human beings to experience love, to both receive it and give it, then free will is essential. And that's why um, we're a mess, because we get to choose and we don't always choose well. Yeah. Speaking of not choosing well, it's interesting, you know, um, you can you can attempt to do good and he, there's always, there's always going to be that human dynamic to take advantage of goodness. You know, I, I was reading about the, um, you know, is it, what was it? The, um, the, the pandemic um, relief funds that we, what were they called? The, um, uh, the stimulus packages. The, yeah. The stimulus packages that we received, you know, where people were able to keep their companies going and, um, pay their mortgage or, or take, or, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you know, and I, I would say it's like, I'm really thankful that that happened in the middle of the pandemic for, for companies, for individuals, for families that especially that desperately needed it. And yet I was just reading the other day that there was, there's $45 billion of fraud and, um, you, you know, of, of criminal intake of that, that was CNN. So that's, you know, that's not like some conservative spin on, on the, um, you know, the relief packages. And it, it, it one, it, there's two sides to this for me. One is that it, it's so sad to think that human beings can't self-monitor in terms of just doing the right thing, you know, and that's $45 billion of people choosing to steal money that isn't rightfully theirs. And then on the flip side, this is the dilemma with any government oversight over um, any financial programs, no matter how well intended they are, is that um, government bureaucracy is essentially incapable 
of effective distribution and management of funds. And you know, so I, I look at both sides of that going, uh, I can't even conceptualize $45 billion uh, being stolen. And uh, while millions of people were struggling and needed help. And that, that's $45 billion that not only went to the wrong people, but did not go to the right people. Well, nearly $139 million of that went to over 206,000 social security numbers of deceased persons. Probably the same people who were voting. <laughs> yeah. they needed, how, how is it that we can find like, in, like online hackers in, you know, all over the world that, that rob people of their bank funds, but we can't figure out who uses dead people's social security numbers? Is it because it's 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 like a hard copy that it's paper? It's on you know it's on paper and we don't have records. Like there's got to be records of these people being dead, right? But I guess it just doesn't get logged into like a system. I I think it would probably be overwhelming to do that, like to get the deaths logged in. But I imagine it's someone's job, right? <laughs> these are the questions I ask. Whose job is it to do that? And is it an unfair um, leap or assumption if I ask the question, all right, if we can't manage a relief fund to prevent $45 billion worth of theft, is it then inappropriate to ask people to have some kind of identification, whether it's a driver's license or, or government ID to vote? Because if you don't have some kind of um, identification, isn't voter fraud just as likely as you have relief fund fraud? And, you know, because when we talk about, you know, creating policies that quote, protect the democracy, it seems like all those conversations are about, um, hey, we just let, gotta let people vote, mail-in vote, you don't need identification, you don't need driver's license, you don't need to prove you're an American citizen. In fact, I've heard a lot of people say that they believe everyone should be able to vote, even if they're undocumented, if they're immigrants who came across illegally. Since they're here, they're affected by the election. Um, aren't we setting ourselves up for that same level of fraud if we don't create a basic system? And when people say, well, no, poor people don't have identification, I'm going, that just isn't real. And I mean, I worked with the urban poor for at least 10 years of my life. And just because you're poor doesn't mean that you are incapable of getting a driver's license or an ID. And um, it's, and so I, I, you know, I'm just wondering when I look at this level of fraud, are we setting ourselves up for um, a crisis of democracy if we don't actually deal with like voter fraud and election credibility and, you know, integrity? regardless of party. It just, it just seems like somehow we should um, know that governments aren't the best at effectively um, creating systems that actually have integrity. Yeah, but is any, is it, I guess, I guess the real question there or maybe brings us back to this question of, is anyone like, like I, I was reading up about this, this, this idea that, or I guess the, the reality that I guess all, most of Amazon's returned items I guess in certain categories, never even go back to like the main the main distributors. They go to like secondary warehouses where oftentimes they're just left dead and then sold off in pallets of like 
unwanted Amazon returned goods because it's cheaper for Amazon to not even do like deal with the return with the distributors. So like you buy something from, you know, Amazon's the third party selling it to you. So they're not even returning it to the initial first party. They're just putting it in this warehouse, cutting the loss, refunding you your money and then selling it off at a discounted rate to somebody else or to like a wholesaler who's buying this like storage wars. Could you imagine? There's going to be so many great shows like Amazon wars in 20 years. There's going to be like empty warehouses filled with like, you know, I don't know, Twinkies and stuff. Which will survive for a thousand years. As every post-apocalyptic film has shown. But like they're not doing it the most efficiently or maybe that is the most efficient. So there is waste no matter what. Yeah. I guess how do we prevent people from being corrupt is a different thing. Yeah, that's, well, how do you prevent people from being corrupt is a spiritual conversation. There is... There is no form of government that can make people not corrupt. Um, corruption is an issue of the human heart. And whether we want to acknowledge it or not, the singular reason democracy has worked well in the Western world is because of the Christian worldview, the Christian mind. And whether a person believes in God, um, they were structured and informed by a Christian uh, framework of reality. And that's why democracy doesn't easily translate into other nations that have are based on other religions. And it's it because it, within the religion, if you extricate God and extricate the doctrines within those religions, there are values and beliefs that shape the way a person relates to another human being and it relates to their own personhood and democracy to me, it exists well as best as well as it has because of the Christian worldview. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I was, when I was reading an article in the New York times uh, on the flight here from North Carolina, and it was like half article, half like a docu. I don't know. It was, it was interesting. It felt like a YouTuber doing a during a, I guess, an article interview but it was like some first person some uh, i was very it was very weird it was like a very uh millennial youtube new york times situation but they're talking about election fraud in the country and the end this idea of the end of democracy and he was talking with a professor um who i think was a doctor and, and she was very interesting and and they were kind of having this dialogue of, you know, where was the election fixed? And they're saying that all the proof leads to the fact that it was not fixed. And I think I had a harder time with them stating that so matter of fact, because um, we know that there on some level that there's a, there's corruption in the vote, the voting system, right? That w- the same way that people are getting paid out on social security systems, people are voting for dead people. That is just the reality. So we know or there's dead, some dead, dead people are voting. Like we can't eliminate all the possibilities. Dead people are voting. What's that kid who saw dead people in Sixth Sense? What's his, what was his real name? Haley Joel Osmond? Haley yeah. Joel Osmond's out there talking <laughs> to dead people, being like, are you sure, Trump? He's not doing so well up here. Maybe that's why they voted for Biden. They're like the one closer to us. Um, yeah, I, I think that part of the dilemma that we have as a, as a culture is that Wait, I wasn't done. Oh, go ahead, go, go, go. No, but the, the big thing was basically that, that there was no voter fraud, but that there is a real chance of this like end of democracy because now voters believe that there was or could be potentially a fraud. So party people on both sides are going, OK, so maybe there was or there wasn't. 
in this case, but there potentially could be. And that's what's really scary now in the world. That the, even this possibility of the fact there is voter fraud really discredits, I guess, the democratic reputation that we have or the reputation of our democracy. Yes, I agree. No, I, I but I don't think voter fraud began or the, the questioning of credible elections didn't begin with Donald Trump winning the, uh, uh, losing this election. It, if you look back when Donald Trump won the election, that to me is when the strongest narrative happened. It's when, um, you know, Hillary Clinton, even though she conceded the election, within days came back out going, you know, um, Russia colluded to help Donald Trump win the election. And, you know, you had what, up to something like 60 people not show up for the, was it the inauguration of Trump from the um, House and Senate? and um, who basically did not accept his election as president, which I think um, really psychologically almost like angered him to a point where he was never going to accept any other election as legitimate that went against him. And so the narrative, I mean, the whole time Trump was president, the narrative I kept hearing was Russia affected the election. Russia affected the election. Um, Trump only won because the election was defrauded. I mean, Brooke, that's, you heard that, right? You, you know? Yeah. And, and so whether you're on the left or the right, um, that was a, that was the conversation during of the entire presidency of Trump. Mm -hmm. And, and so it almost like to me, what we don't realize a lot of times is that we create a snowball from our end that ends up rolling back down the hill, back on top of us. And so I, I think the Democrats created the snowball of, the election was not credible. The election was not credible. The election was stolen. The election was stolen. The election was stolen. And then Trump loses and he rolls the ball right back down. The election was stolen. The election was stolen. The election was stolen. Mm -hmm. And we don't like connecting those things because they, 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 make, they make us more alike than we like. And because yeah. the liberals said the election was stolen. And then the hardcore uh, MAGA Republicans said the election was stolen. Both sides did the same thing discrediting the other side. And even when we looked during the pandemic, you know, we had all the rights in cities all across America connected to BLM. And they were, and people were setting buildings on fire and looting and destroying property and endangering people's lives. And um, whether we like it or not, it was culturally accepted that people who were angry on the left were allowed to riot and destroy public property. And it was accepted as a cultural norm. And I'm convinced that that was the precipice or that was the, the really the precursor for January 6th, where then the far right MAGA people go and rush the Capitol. Uh, really stupid thing to do, uh, really incredibly illegal and destructive thing to do. But the culture of rioting had, be, had been accepted as a part of American culture for that at least the year before. And, and what I find is that whenever one side on the cultural divide justifies something and makes it a part of the culture, they should not be surprised when suddenly there's an extreme response from the other side as well. Ouch. Okay. So <laughs> where do we go from here? I think that... Um, Why can't I vote from my iPhone? That's what I want to know. Like, no, but really, like, why haven't we developed the, why hasn't the government 
the U.S. government commissioned one of these tech companies and go, okay, create the most advanced um, system that you can to prevent. Like we have two, we have two-factor authentication, right? Like we have, you can go and get clear and go into airports, TSA pre-approved. You can do all these things where you're, you know, they're, they're looking at your eyes. Like I gave the government my eyes. The government has my eyes, have my eyes. That is crazy to me. I could never become a secret agent now because the government has my eyes. Well, I think maybe one of those reasons is because not everyone can afford an iPhone. Okay. So a smartphone of any kind, not just an iPhone, right? I'm right. just, that was, that was a symbol. That was a symbol for sure. all smartphones. That goes into like, I think the larger thing of internet access. Right. People don't have access to that. We assumed everyone does, but we found that in New York during the pandemic, that a lot of kids in impoverished areas did not have access to computers and to the internet for school. And, and, you know, so sometimes, um, Aaron, I think the answer is that, that usually when you're trying to think how to expand voter participation, you're normally thinking about the people who are more impoverished, underserved. And so you're thinking, okay, how do we help the person who's on the poverty scale of this be able to have their voice heard? And so when you look at smartphones, that's people who have a lot more access. That person probably is already um, able to vote in other ways. But I actually agree with you. I think people should be able to vote on their iPhones or their smartphones. And I think that people should be a vote, should be able to vote as easy as possible. But I also think that people should have to prove that they are who they are. And, and I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. I think that it's doable. And the government needs the government needs to uh, enact far more transparent procedures yeah. to where the common person, uh, citizens in this country who aren't elected official or part of the government overall, have an understanding and can access information and see how the votes are working. Because one, I think there's so much confusion. Like no one, almost no one knows what's going on on a local government level. You pretty much start picking up local government at like the mayoral level, unless you live in a really small town, right? Or unless the other side, unless you live in a really big town where you're like, there's there's massive marketing for certain, maybe smaller local positions, you know? But I could not tell you someone who ran in Los Angeles on a small level for anything. But I could tell you the, can, the two candidates for the mayor, Rick Caruso, Karen Bass. Caruso can, just gonna say it, Caruso can. That's all I'm gonna say. All right. Hey, Patreon members, man, thank you so much for joining us and being a part of this. Is that how we're ending? (laughs) Caruso can't. It can't be how we're ending. We've got to, we've got to create the future. That's what I got to say. This is our our government's got to build the future and create the future. Yeah. And we just didn't realize that um, from my perspective, the, the leaner, the government, the healthier, the governor. Uh, I do not want government responsible for everything. I do not want the government in charge of businesses, in charge of of petrol. I do not want the government in charge of education. I um, I I actually think. Oh my gosh, <laughs> the gas in North Carolina! Just guess how much it was. <laughs> guess. Don't Google it. How much is a gallon of gas? Three twenty-five. Oh my goodness. North Carolina girl. What was it? 305. Wow. Yeah. Are you kidding? I would 
I would fill my pool with gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> and you- on top of that, though, there was a woman at the car rental place complaining about how high the gas was. And she said she was going to go back to Tennessee where gas is two something a gallon. Wow. There's always another place to go. <laughs> and I, I looked at, I looked at her and said, are you serious? And she's like, yeah, it's so expensive here. And I was like, you should come over to California. She's like, oh, I would never. There is no one in North Carolina who wants to come to California. <laughs> no. And now I get why. Why would you go somewhere with trees to go to know? Go somewhere with no trees, with an ocean. Yeah, but I mean, you know, there's an upside and downside. We have no trees, but we have high gas prices. <laughs> we do. <laughs> <laughs> we have right, no high gas prices yeah okay okay right. hey, uh, send us topics if you're if you're a patron send us some topics of things you love for us to talk about uh yes. in this exclusive uh content section and we'll dive in it can be from anything we'll about anything in life sounds good all right i'm not gonna do a long outro but thank you guys so much for tuning in and being a part of the patreon community we love you guys and if this ever somehow makes this into the archives of the public channel which there is no promise to do so you know you're listening to bad ready podcast have a great day take care